Well, good morning. It's great to be here. For those of you that I haven't met before, my name's Michelle, part of the team here at True North, but not often at uh, Mullaloo. I reside mainly at um, Merrow campus, but it is great to be here this morning. And as Pastor Dean said, this proclamation, this um, that song that we've sung, that, that declaration that, you know, Jesus has that power to change uh, the chains of our lives, break those chains, break those things over our life, that this morning we are incredibly excited as we open up this new series of Colour Your World. Was there many at the Imagine Conference? Many of us at the Imagine Conference, well, you would have heard and where this has come from is Hank Fortner, and if you weren't there, that doesn't matter as well, because we're going to unpack that over the coming weeks, that Hank Fortner had done this session on colour, and he had pulled out some of these colours and um, identified that with these colours that each one have a meaning. And we realise and we know that God has created these colours. And for each one of us, as we've seen that, that um, promo video there, that, you know, we can have these shades of grey. But then as um, we bring life and bring this colour to our world, as we open up the Word of God and the, the meaning of these colours and what the Bible says about that, that over these coming weeks that we would see colour radiating in each one of us. Are we excited for that? Yeah, so this idea that um, with colour and with um, this idea of this series and what Hank had brought to us is that understanding that there will be colour that we require in our own lives. There may be pale shades of different colours and we're requiring one of those shades more so than the other, one of those colours that need to be brightened up, but also to realise that our world needs these colours that someone in our, in our life, in our world, requires a colour out of us as well. So as we, we track along these following weeks, we're going to um, pull out each week a different colour, what that represents, um, look into the word and see how we are transformed by that word, how we can be a bit brighter to the world that we're around. The people that you see are different to the people I see. The shade that you need is probably a different colour to what I need. But each one of us, that we would be a bit more brighter, a bit more colourful in our world. And so we're going to look at that. A question that Hank did ask is, what is our favourite colour? Do you have a favourite colour? Yeah? What's your, what's your colour, Kel? Yellow? Red. <laughs> convenient. Um, convenient colour to, um, I'll unpack that in a moment. But as I was thinking about that, as that question um, was asked even at conference, I, I thought about it and I thought, I don't really have a favourite colour. But then as I thought about it more, it's more so a colour that I don't really lean into is purple. I don't, I don't own purple. I don't have, you know how they're stationary in bits and pieces? I don't think I own anything purple. About you, John, do you have purple? No purple? Oh, the Frio, oh yes, the Frio friends would have some purple going on. Um, good to refer to that. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. Um, but this morning, we're going to look at the colour red. And so Kel's favourite colour red is, well, we could, that's why we chose it, because it's your favourite colour. Um, we brought that this morning. And this colour red is what we're going to look at. And this colour red is what we identify as the colour that will represent love. But it's also, red is also a colour that will represent anger. So this morning we have red that, uh, that represents this colour of love, this place in our soul, the place where love resides, also anger does. That place that can come out from, that, from there is both love or anger. 
and there's this um, colour red that will, you know, fall in love and will give you butterflies when you first met that partner. Who remembers this? You know, just totally in love, just blindsided by love, just butterflies in the stomach whenever you see that person can also be the same place where anger comes. can also be that same place where your, tight, your chest gets tired and you get furious and you get angry. Same place in our soul. This colour red representing both love and anger. This idea that for each one of us in our soul, what, what is it that we would see that that red colour would be bright in our lives? And as um, every pastor preaches and prepares throughout the week, that God uses that. And, he, and I, I often find that in areas where, you know, we open up scripture and we're reading it and we're thinking about it and we're preparing for Sundays, that this week I was tested twice in this area, you know, where, you know, things, and I wouldn't say I'm, I get angry easily, but for whatever reason, it was very obvious to me with, as I was preparing and doing this message, that both occasions... Love really wasn't that evident in my life. So as I'm preaching this, I'm preaching to myself that how is it that we can be a people where this colour red of love can be radiating in our lives, can be seen in our lives. And we're going to look at that in Scripture this morning. Over here where we see this, this anger and love. In a scripture here, we open up and we want to look at this idea of how do we position ourselves with love? How do we position ourselves in there? We're going to open up in John 8, uh, verses 1 to 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has, was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question to trap in order as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman who was standing there still. Jesus strained up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now, leave your life of sin. Over here we see the Pharisees are at work. They've come to Jesus they're trying to trap him over here. They're, they're questioning him about the law. They're bringing this woman to him, trying to, trying to um, set him up to see what his response would be. Because what the law says here is that woman, this woman is to be stoned. But then they bring, him to, they bring her to Jesus to say, well, hey, what do, you, what do you say? When it comes to love and these emotions that hold the same place as anger, what we recognise that... It's either one or the other that can hold that place. And if, if love is there, then anger's not. If anger is there, then love is not. 
So if love and, love and anger both hold the same place in our soul, what we watch out for and what has happened here with these Pharisees coming to Jesus is that sometimes there's these traps that catch us. There's these, these questions that will come our way. There's these accusations that may come at us that would want to take us away from that path of love and respond in a way that we don't want to. Happened to me twice this week. These Pharisees are more interested here in trapping Jesus and hearing what his response is to them more than this woman and who is caught in adultery. We have all these kinds of things in our lives, the things that um, we have potential that will trap us, that would hold us, that would catch us off guard and respond in a way that we wouldn't normally respond. And what was mentioned earlier, that the same thing that would bring love and joy, that we may have anger and frustration. And it may be, you know, those people that are closest to us, the ones that we love the most, sometimes are the ones that we get most frustrated with. They're the people that are in our world. They're the things that we are most passionate about. Um, just recently, I, I took my mum and my auntie um, to the Optus Stadium, you know, the walkthrough, you do that walkthrough, and has anyone done this? They are madly, madly, madly in love with the Eagles, that they are so passionate. Anybody would think they were part of the family. They will defend them to no end. They know the trainer, they know the coach, they know everything about the Eagles, they know absolutely everything about them. And so I'm taking them into the stadium. This is during the footy season. And, um, and then they were talking about having to you could walk through all the different locker rooms off, um, off the stadium. And they'll show you rooms and Riverside and all the rest of it. And then we walk into the Dockers room, John. And I'm like, uh-oh. I don't know what might happen here. Um, if there's Docker supporters she, and they say something untoward about the Eagles, watch out. I don't know what might happen here because she is so passionate. If there's anyone that speaks ill off the Eagles, watch out. I don't follow football. Like, I was the only person that was like, oh, does anyone not follow football? I'm like, yep, that's me. I'm um, just doing it for my mum and my auntie. But they are so for the Eagles, that they, they, these, they're, they're passionate about the team, they love the team, they love every player, probably to fault, like if they've done things wrong, they'll probably still find a way where they're probably right, um, but they love this team. And so we walk into the Dockers' rooms, and then there's the Dockers' supporters, and they're out there, they're keen, they're surely supporters that are like my mum, who are very passionate and in love with the, the Dockers. And so they're taking photos and they're doing all this stuff. And, and fortunately for me, that there was no, no word spoken and take my hat off to my mum and my auntie. They were very well behaved. But there, there was this tension where I'm thinking, do I leave now before we... Maybe I just don't go into the Dockers' rooms. Um, I didn't know what to do in that moment because they are so in love with that team that they are so for that team, that they are so passionate about that team, that anything that would come against the love of this team that they have, that they will defend and they will respond and they may even get a little bit angry. I've heard this at the TV. I've been there whilst I've watched a game and it's not pretty at times. It's just not pretty. Where they will respond in all kinds of ways because that place in their soul where they deeply love this team 
and anything comes at that team, that they are going to stand up and they're going to defend that team. That they're going to get angry at anybody. And what is love goes away when they're responding to this person that is a TV and out of anger. And we see that that love is gone and this, this anger rages in them as they defend the thing that matters most to them. And I'm sure that she would do the same for her family. Haven't, she hasn't had need to. But um, they just love this team. So whether it be some special project we're working on, something that matters dear to us, be it family members, be it whatever it be, that we can potentially have these spaces that we identify that this matters so much to me that potentially there could be traps, there could be accusations, there could be questions that come at us, that the very thing that we love, we may respond in anger as a result of the love that we have for that thing. That over here we see that um, these Pharisees are coming at Jesus with accusations trying to trap him, trying to get him to react in a way. And for uh, myself as well, there is, um, there's um, certain times of the year that used to be particularly bad for me and my husband, um, bulk collection, praise Jesus that it's no longer the round, um, where we are very passionate on um, very different spectrums. He's very passionate about keeping everything and I'm very passionate about throwing everything out. And so there comes a time when it's bulk collection and we've had to learn that, you know, it's either one of us there or, like, we just got to leave. We've learned this over time where reactions and responses have not been reactions and responses of love towards one another over rubbish but we're highly passionate about we should keep it or we should let it go. Um, and then it does not bring love into that marriage. And so for each one of us, what is that thing that we hold on to? What is that, that thing that is most um, um, valuable in our life, be it family, work, um, sports, teams, whatever it may be? But what we've got to realise is that sometimes there's questions and things that would want to trap us that would want us to respond in a way that is not of love and that we recognise that these areas where we hold most dear are those areas that actually we don't have to respond in anger or defence or protect, but we can respond in love and the story will go on and we'll, we'll see that. This symbol of love, that love I was reading I was actually listening to this TED talk of a heart specialist and um, what he was talking about is the, the physical heart this symbol symbolism of um, what we see today as love is that symbol of um, the valentine heart you know we'd all see just the red heart that has come that over the 13th century he will talk about that this heart which was now um, being symbolized as this, this red heart and has there's painters in the 13th century that started now painting it red and um, making that the color of passion and love and um, we see this heart but what he was saying which was so interesting about this that the heart when has been heartbroken that the heart physically changes its shape that this this word that he uses is taco subo is that that, that is the, the, um, the actual name for broken heart syndrome. When someone has, has 
gone through a romantic breakup, when someone has lost that love, when someone has, has grief or loss or whatever, and their heart is broken, that physically the heart changes shape. And the, it, it turns into, it balloons out and then is a narrow, narrow neck. So I should have put a photo, but I didn't. And um, he was, what he's saying is that the heart physically changes shape as a result of um, the emotions of our, of our heart, the love that comes, that this heart actually feels it. Whilst the heart itself, there was a, a guy in 1982 who had the first artificial heart and his wife asked um, the doctors, will he ever be able to love me again? And what they, they, they know and what they've learned and what they've discovered over time, the connection between the heart and the emotions are a highly intimate one. Whilst it doesn't come from the heart direct, these emotions that come are so closely connected, so much so that it does that physical change in our heart. That when love is broken, when love is lost, that the heart will change its shape and it will, hold, it will be a few weeks before it corrects itself. It's just an incredible thing that with love, this symbol of love, this, this idea of love makes a, a dramatic response on our heart. And he will say even acutely, even to death, as a res result of love being broken. While our hearts physically may change in response to heartbreak, to lost love that deeply that it will it will change back eventually and this heartbreak that these gaps in our lives and what I, I see when I when I think about this colour our world and what the people around us need and the, the love that is required in our world is that someone may present feeling angry, acting angry, acting frustrated, acting whatever. We don't know the back end of their story. But what we do know is that love can mend hearts physically, that love can change people's worlds, and that love can make a difference in the life of people. And that for us, our response when people are angry, when people are frustrated, it's in that same space that love is to occupy. It's in that same space where love is to reside. And so what does that look like for us to respond in love when people are frustrated and angry in front of us? What does it look like for us to be able to hold that posture of love? In the story here, we see where, where the law had come up against Jesus. This act of adultery is that, you know, anybody caught in that act, that they would be stoned to death. And that people over here, these Pharisees, are questioning Jesus. You know, this attack, trying to trap him, trying to accuse him, trying to, to get him to respond in a way that is different to the law. And I love Jesus' response. I love that for each one of us, that we can have a response like Jesus has had. That when accusations come, when questions are at him, when he's sitting there and he's in the, he's in the temple courts and he's teaching the, the people, he's come in, they're all gathered around him, he's teaching them the word, he's teaching them whatever, and um, these Pharisees come straight at him. He's not expecting it. He doesn't think it's coming. And they're like, hey, teacher, what do you say about this law? Brings the woman in. Can you imagine that woman? the shame, the guilt that she's feeling because she's now brought before everybody and her sin has been exposed. And they bring her in 
and he's sitting there teaching them. And he's like, well, you know, here's a question. What are you going to do about it? And what Jesus' response is, he's sitting there on his chair and he bends over and he writes in the ground. No one knows what he's writing, but I'm sure what is going through his mind is that love surely supersedes the law. That love surely supersedes this one's sin. That he has, been, he has come from the, the Father. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. So his son's here to save the world, to love the world, to change the world, to break the chains off the world. And so he's writing. He, I assume, is gathering his thoughts, taking a moment, pausing, breathing, not responding in any other way, thinking what his thought might be. And then he sits back up and he says, well, whoever is without sin, you throw the stone at her. And then he bends back down and he goes back to whatever he's writing, drawing, picture, whatever it may be, a heart. And for many of us, and I know for myself, particularly this week, when questions come at us, when accusations come at us, when we're in that, 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 that space where this, I wasn't expecting this at this time, what is our response going to be? What is our posture of love going to be in that moment? And for me, I failed twice out of two times this week. But our response should be, be it not bend over and write in the ground. But what we can learn from that is that maybe we need to just take a moment. Maybe we need to gather our thoughts. Maybe we need to remember, well, how is love going to communicate anything to this person? Whether you deserve it or not, whatever is coming at you. How do we hold this posture of love that is going to change that person's life today? How do we hold that posture of love that is going to make a difference in that person's life? You see over here, Jesus has um, responded with, you know, if you've got any, if, with those without sin, you throw that stone at her, go for it. And they all went away one at a time, the older ones first. The only person left there, because then Jesus says, woman, they've not condemned you, I'm not condemning you, you go. Because the only person that is left there is the only person without sin, is Jesus that he stands there in love and he shows us how to stand in love, how to respond in love when there is accusation, when this woman has clearly been caught in adultery, but yet it's not to condemn, it is to forgive. It is to love. It is to give her a second chance. What does that look like for us in our world where we can colour the world red with our love? where we can make a difference in the lives of people, ones that we don't know the story of why they are frustrated, why they are angry, why they're whatever they are. But what we can make a difference in is how we respond to them, is how we can make their world a little bit more full of red, a little bit more red in their lives that experience and hold the love of the Father. That I love that Jesus that he has been sent here to love the world, to break every chain of every life. And that in those moments, what I, what I see is that the ones that we're most probably blindsided by, the ones that catch us by surprise, 
are the very moments where we can make a huge impact in someone's life as we respond in love. Jesus never let the law stand in the way of love, that he was offered forgiveness, that he gave another chance to start over, that he gave an opportunity for this woman to go, turn, turn away from what you're doing, you start anew and afresh today. And that for each one of us, we get to do that as well with the people around us. The ones that we most love are the ones that sometimes can most frustrate us. But in every opportunity, what we can get, whether you do it well the first time or not, that every opportunity is an opportunity where we can say, I'm going to stand for love. That my posture isn't going to be, I'm going to stand up and fight you right now. But our posture be the posture of Jesus where he, st- he takes a moment and he responds in love. I'm going to invite the band up. And I'd love to pray for us this morning. Um, would you like to stand with me? I'd love to pray for anybody who is saying, I need some more red in my life. I need a little bit more love, be it in my own life or a bit more love towards actually there's that person that frustrates me, that makes me angry, that whatever it may be. And you need a little bit more love in your life for that person. You need a little bit more love in your life that you can change that next conversation you have with them. That we don't know if they're angry about whatever has happened in their world. But what we get an opportunity to do is to turn around the frustration of that person into a love for that person. And that we, I, know, I honestly believe we can't do it in ourselves. But what we can do and what we have the access to is the one who came and loved our world, who loved us, and that He is at work in us, that He is at work this morning. And I love to pray that for anybody who would love to have a little bit more red dulled up in your world, for yourself, for those around you, if you'd just love to um, hold out your hands and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You firstly. Lord, that you came and you showed us your love. For every person here who's encountered the radical love of Jesus Christ knows, Lord God, how much you love us. That despite our sin, despite our shortcomings, despite what we get up to and the mistakes we make and the the love that we don't give, you love us regardless. That there is no breaking off that love. There is no heartbreak that can come towards us because you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. You would never let us go. That your love is unconditional towards us. And Jesus, I pray for every single one of us that says this colour red, let it be vibrant in my life. Lord, me included. In those moments where we need to respond in love and everything in us doesn't want to do that, we pray that by your Spirit this morning, May your Holy Spirit come out and pour out and wash upon us. That your love, that your grace, that your mercy, that your forgiveness, that your your love would be evident in our lives, through our lives, would be permeating through every part of us. That as we go into our world, Lord, we pray that your Spirit would be at work in us. Lord God, that our hearts would be full of your love that our hearts would be full to respond in love towards those around us. 
that Jesus, we ask that in your name, may it be done. In your name, Jesus, may you give us all that we need. That Lord, we recognize that we are limited, but you are limitless. That Lord, that we pray that there'd be an overflow of your love upon each one of us, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen. Thanks, team.